Hello and welcome to a brand new episode of the Boys in Red and White podcast. My name is Tom Dow and I'm joined as always by my best friend Andre Grayson. Hello Mr Dow. Hello Mr Grayson and we're recording, we, we did actually record uh, about two weeks ago um, and we spoke about the North London derby and we spoke about Arsenal's start to the season and, it, and I, I genuinely thought it was quite a good podcast. Then when I listened back to it, my audio was unusable. So that was um, delightful to hear. So uh, this is officially episode 58, I believe, even though we already recorded episode 58 before. (laughs) (laughs) Excellent. Excellent. 58. 58. Undefeated. (laughs) It It won't catch on, will it? (laughs) No, it won't catch on. Um, but we're recording this uh, a couple of days after the 1-0 victory over Manchester City. And off-air, we were just discussing what we were going to talk about today. And we pretty much agreed that we were just going to talk about Man- uh, beating Man City. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so I think we'll just start with that. <laughs> oh, dear. I mean, I think um, I think the best place to start would be that we met um, at 3pm for a 4.30 kickoff um, to, to really make sure, A, we got in the ground, we're still scarred from Forest at home, and to watch the Brighton-Liverpool game. And the team started to break around 20 minutes, um, 20 minutes you know, after we met up. And the rumours of Eddie starting, Jorginho starting, Sacker out the squad. And when I met you, I said, we're going to win today. I've just got a feeling we're going to win today. And the team came out and I went, I really don't see how we win with this team. Um, <laughs> maybe, maybe I need to listen to Miguel Arteta a bit more and believe in him a bit more. But I think I think building up to the game, it felt like it was going to be our time. Something just had to give. But when I saw that team, and maybe this is a lesson for all of us, I fell flat. And I genuinely think anyone who was in that concourse, it went flat. It went from noisy and building up to being quiet. And all I heard is, oh, my God, he's got Jorginho starting. What, what did you make of, of how we felt and the atmosphere once that team came out? Um, I think uh, I think we I don't know if this was like a media narrative that's been pushed, but like I think most of us felt with the lack of uh, Bukayo Saka and the lack of a starting and fully fit Gabriel Martinelli, I think that was enough for me to sort of lose motivation and inspiration that we were going to go on and win that game. Um, And I think, I I mean, I spoke to you, obviously we'll go on to our meeting after the game as well. Um, But what I felt was I wasn't all that surprised with the Jorginho one because I felt that... If Party had been fully fit, he would have played, um, and I, and I didn't think it was the right game to play with, essentially two attacking midfielders. So I wasn't too surprised about Jorginho, um, but obviously with Eddie starting down the middle, I think everyone was a little bit flat about, not specifically about him playing, but just it felt like our attacking options were somewhat limited um, with with who we had available. Um, so that was kind of my feeling and I was, I was feeling pretty flat going into the game anyway. Um, I didn't share your, your optimism that we were going to, uh, 
come up with a win. I didn't think for any second we'd get battered. Um, like my, my brother predicted, he said uh, consistently up to it. Well, we're going to get hammered by Man City on uh, on Sunday, and I, I I didn't think that would happen. But I also didn't think we'd we'd win. And I, I would I before the game, someone said here's here's a point. I, I would have taken a point based on the team we were we were we were fielding, but. Obviously, that didn't turn out to be the case. There's a couple of things later on in the podcast that I'll talk about, which have really, really annoyed me since since the game. Um, but which I know you always enjoy my uh, my, my my rants. Um, but yeah, obviously, it was a in the end, it was a fantastic day, absolutely fantastic. And obviously, to get that monkey off our back of um, not being able to beat them in in the league, um, it, it was massive, absolutely yeah. huge to get that victory. It, it, it really was. It really was. And of course, we're talking about the end, but I, I've got to talk about the beginning. Um, I mean, when, um, I have to say, when Ake had the one off the line and then missed a really presentable chance, uh, I did worry because we did look nervous. Um, and none of it was encapsulated more. And this is one of the things, almost half the reason I wanted to do a podcast with you was to get this off my chest. I've probably got a lot on my chest, as you can hear at the moment. So what I wanted to get off my chest and about that first half was, and this is, this is where, this is where Arsenal fans, this almost needs to be put out in the world, right? I know, I know where you're going already. (laughs) Sorry? I know where you're going already with this. Yeah, yeah. We play out from the back. Watching a team play out from the back against the best team in the country, in the world, in Europe, whatever, is absolutely tough to watch. What you don't do, because clearly when the goalkeeper is instructed to keep the ball, to pass short, to bring them on to us, what you don't do is add pressure. And it's like, guys, chill out. You've got to chill out. I promise you, this is better for us. It's like Neanderthals. As you know, I watch a lot of non-league, right? I watch goalkeepers try and play out from the back at non-league. I watch the centre-halves they pass to. They're all six foot three. And let me tell you, I'd probably cross the street if I saw most of those centre-halves coming towards me. Okay? (laughs) Arsenal play with William Saliba, Gabriel, Zinchenko and Ben White in their back line. In front of them is Declan Rice, who basically, you literally can't win the ball off him. Next to him is... um, one of the most decorated defensive midfielders known for his passing in Jorginho. I know we had the North London derby, but that really is a one-off, okay? Chill out, okay? And the fans got on Raya's back and made it 10 times worse. By the way, Raya was really, really, really nervous. Really nervous in that first half, but he kept going. And the reason he is playing now instead of Ramsdale, who we all love, is because he will do that and hold his nerve. Whereas Ramsdale can't. And that's it. That's the difference between our two goalkeepers. It's actually mentality, okay? Because Raya kept going. But my God, if our fans are going to get on the back in these big Champions League games or big games we've got coming up or as we close into the title, it's not going to help. And we have to help them, okay? Making it so tense, it's unbelievable, is impossible. But you know I was struggling with this after the game and texting anyone who would listen. But honestly... I just, I uh, just, 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 just stop getting stressed out. We play out from the back, and, and it's fine. <laughs> we won. <laughs> Learn a lesson. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. 
I'm done. No, I, I, I agree entirely because it was, it was, it was uncomfortable being a, being a part of that crowd for points of the first half. <clears throat> and um, I, 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 I echo your sentiments entirely. It, it didn't help. We were playing out for a reason when Raya was holding onto the ball for prolonged periods of time, and people were just going, "Shut up, go hit it long, hit it long." And it was just like, no, like it's. It's such an archaic view of football that mm. this is not what you do. It's just, it's so frustrating. And listening to, like, obviously, you you know that when I drive to work and things like that, I quite often I listen to talk sport. Um, and I, they are so backwards in their thinking of football um, that it, it's, it's frightening. It's frightening that these people are getting paid to offer their opinion on football and there, and you get people like I don't know, like Alan Brazil, for example, who admittedly comes from an era where pumping it long was obviously the accepted tactic. But he's always spouting on about I don't know why teams do it. It's just like, well, you shouldn't be employed to talk about your opinions on football if you can't see why teams play out from the back. It's mm. it's it's ridiculous. Um, and then obviously. Having the fans reacting like that, I can see why Raya was 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 nervous. Obviously, he had the mistake in midweek against Longs, um, which I'm sure was a contributing factor. Um, but he kept going, and obviously, as the game went on, he got better and better and better, and his mm. distribution got better and better and better. And it was just, yeah, I, I'm with you entirely, completely with you. The thing that I need to get off my chest. Which, whilst we're ranting, I think we might as well just do it now. Um, is is I spoke to you after the after the game uh, when we went to Twelve Pins and had a lovely couple of beers, and it was just a really lovely end to uh, a, a brilliant day. And I spoke to you about the fact that I get really frustrated with the people who claim you can't celebrate certain things. And obviously, at the time, I was mentioning to you about when Tottenham beat Sheffield United in stoppage time or when Man United the day before beat uh, Brentford in stoppage time. And both the times, those teams were criticised for their celebrations. And since I spoke to you about those things, I wasn't really thinking people would criticise us for celebrating as Man City. But I saw two clips on um, Facebook pop up from TalkSport. One was from a, a fella called Andy Jacobs, who um, said that it wasn't a 1-0 win, it was a 0-0. It was just like, well, that did, no, that didn't happen. So <laughs> let, let's bin that one off. Ridiculous commentary to a game. Um, he was just like, yes, yeah, it's a 0-0 game, there's nothing to read into it. Well, we won the game, so there is something to read into it, so don't be an idiot. And then the other one was Andy Goldstein saying, I don't have any respect for Arsenal for that win because um, it, 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 it was a really boring game. Well, what sort of narrative is that? It doesn't matter if it's a boring game. We won one nil, And he said that it didn't, it didn't really count because we scored a deflected goal. Again, utterly ridiculous narrative from the media. And then obviously you've got, you've got supporters who jump on top of this who then say, okay, yeah, well, it's, it's not a proper win because Man City didn't have Rodri or De Bruyne. Well, that's not our fault, is it? 
Like it's just, no. it's just ridiculous. We, we we went there last season without Saliba. Yeah, no one said, no one batted an eyelid, did they? Like no one said no. anything at the time. And then when Saliba has the audacity to come out and say, um, "Oh, oh, we might have won the league if I hadn't been, if I'd been fit last season," it, we we get castigated. Like it's just it's just there's no winning for Arsenal. And I and I know every set of supporters feels like other supporters in the media have it in for their club. I know I know that everyone feels like that. But it really feels like there is something different when it's Arsenal, and I, and I, I just it's so frustrating because it went from me reading Twitter, reading social media, and really enjoying the aftermath of the game, to then getting really angry, and I and I know I shouldn't because it's irrelevant. These people have irrelevant opinions that don't matter to anyone, but it really annoyed me, and <laughs> and and it kind of ruined a little, it spoiled a little bit of the. Uh, the, the post-match glory, so to speak. Um, yeah. do, do you know what I mean? Like, that, there's, I, there's I, my rant. I do. I, I do, I do. But what I would say is that I genuinely think the fact we made the game how it was showed we were level with Manchester City and could play it on their level, um, even without our best holding midfielder. Um, I don't think you can call Declan Rice a holding midfielder, but I'm, I'm saying party there without our two wide boys, the way we played tactically and the way we kept it tight first half and found a way to win it second, yeah, that's how you win big games. So for anyone to not think that is bizarre. And, and the thing is, is that I have listened to media outlets criticise Arsenal for going after teams and looking naive. And then when we do the opposite... <laughs> Well, they didn't go out and attack and then they got lucky. Well, that's what you do in big games. You hang on in there. And when you get your moment, you aim for Nathan Ake's lips and hope he kisses the ball <laughs> in. <laughs> well, ironically, I think the the one person when I was watching Sky, the Sky Sports coverage after the game who genuinely was a voice of reason was Gary Neville. Because he was he was actually sensible and said that he like he was he was very vocal about the fact that Arteta went up in his estimations for the way that Arsenal managed that game. Because as much as we were let's it wasn't a great spectacle for the Premier League. It wasn't the sort of game that's gonna get everyone talking about these two juggernauts attacking one another and throwing punch after punch after punch. It wasn't that sort of game. It was a tactical game where it was, who's going to make a slip up? Who's going to make a mistake? And we restricted them to so little going mm. forward after that first five-minute spell. We really, really did. And there is an argument to say that they restricted us as well. We kind of cancelled each other out. But well, but it is about waiting for that one moment. And we did that. We waited for that one moment and we took our chance when it came. And yeah, okay, we were bene we benefited from the from the deflected effort. I don't care. No. <laughs> it makes it it makes it even better. <laughs> no, I think I think the phrase you've put about cancelling each other out. I, I remember watching City and Liverpool games, and sometimes it would be on after like we played at two o'clock and they played the four thirty, and it was like watching a different sport. And it was like I remember I remember saying to you, "This is we are so 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 far." from this level yeah but the fact we can now cancel man city out tells you all you need to know and i think that's the thing that excited me obviously i wouldn't be as excited as um 
as we are if it was nil nil, as as Andy Jacobs, you know, said it was nil nil. <laughs> the fact we managed to get the the one nil means that we get to celebrate and, and say, wow, wasn't this amazing? But the fact we could cancel them out for me and the fact we've got a clean sheet at home for the first time this season in the league is massive. Absolutely massive. Yeah, it, it really it really is massive. Um, and obviously, for, for so long, we've gone into games like against the big teams and we've been out of the game sometimes by by the first half an hour. And I think this was a different mindset. This like when we went to the Etihad in in uh, towards the end of the season, like we were out of the game at half time. It, it was game over. We weren't going to get back into that game realistically, and mm. that was obviously a very different, um, different, different fixture and a different game. But that was obviously what we've got to compare this against. And now we've gone to them, we've gone toe-to-toe with them, we've restricted them to very few opportunities. We've restricted Erling Haaland to zero XG. <laughs> like mm-hmm. it's it's so impressive what we did um defensively. And again, I'm gonna go back to them saying, okay, well, Roger wasn't playing, De Bruyne wasn't wasn't playing. And obviously that is a factor. But we didn't have Saka starting, we didn't have Martinelli uh, fully fit, we didn't have Party fully fit. So it it's not it's all well and good saying Man City didn't have these players. We didn't have a lot of our starting mm. players available to be fully fit for that fixture. So yeah, yeah. Well, I think I think it sort of leads me on to to something that I think is worth talking about because people are trying to make excuses for why we won, and we nearly and should have played against ten men. Yes. Looking back now, are you relieved he didn't get sent off? I I am because obviously it means more. There's less excuses for them because obviously, like you like you said, it, I think you said it on on um on Sunday that if he had got sent off and we'd gone on to win the game, then everyone would have said, well, it's because you're playing ten men. And if he had got sent off and we didn't go on to win the game, then there would have been even further question marks about our credentials if we couldn't beat 10 men. So I think I think for the the greater story and the greater belief going into the rest of the season, I think it's, it is more beneficial for us to have beaten them with 11 men. Um, mm. But yeah, uh, on, on that note, utterly ridiculous refereeing. And there's something I did want to bring up that I, I, I didn't watch it last night, but there was a, a clip of Howard Webb speaking to Michael Owen um about um about uh largely to do with the VAR call the previous week with Liverpool and Tottenham um but he did mention about Michael Oliver not sending off Kovacic and he said about um Michael Oliver not wanting to negatively influence a game by making a rash decision and there, and obviously, social media was then full of him distributing two yellow cards to Gabriel Martinelli in the same incident um, away at Wolves. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, well, 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 this is kind of look. This is what I would say about anything to do with this. I think that um, there is very, very little difference between the Curtis Jones red at Tottenham. And yeah. the uh, Kovacic challenge on Odegaard. 
And this is what I would say, is that if football's going to go where I want it to go, and this is this is me, and a very distressed me on Sunday <laughs> at about 30 minutes into this game when he wasn't sent off, I'm glad he wasn't sent off. And I don't think he should have been sent off. And, and the reason for that is you want to see 11 v 11 more. When I look at what Tommy Asu or Martinelli or even to an extent Diego Jota in that Spurs game are sent off for, the threshold for red cards now is so low. Yeah. And the reason it was so egregious and so frustrating um, and, and actually, I don't know if you watched Match of the Day. Did you Did you see the West Ham v Newcastle highlights? I didn't actually, no. Um, it, sorry, you cut out for a second. Was that no or yes? Uh, it was a no. Okay. So basically, Bruno Guimarães does, does basically the same thing where he commits a yellow and then West Ham are on the counter and he he, he, he kind of pulls someone back or fouls them. It's, it's a yellow card all day and the ref doesn't send him off. And, and there was also another moment where a West Ham player, I can't remember who, waves an imaginary card, gets booked, I think it's Paqueta, in the in the incident with Guimarães. And then two minutes later, Al, Almiron is fouled, waves a yellow card, doesn't get booked. Yeah. And I, I genuinely think if there's one thing I would like to see VAR used for or how it can change, right, is... is <laughs> You can't book one player for one thing or send players off for one thing. And then the following week, the threshold completely changes because this is what drives people mad. How Tottenham got to play Liverpool with nine men, to me, is, is, is fine if the next week we play Man City with 10 men. But to have the difference in the two, this is what people are struggling with. This is the gap, is that... It doesn't make sense to us anymore. And by the way, this could happen to any club. The reason I bring in the West Ham example, emotionally, I'm glad Kovacic wasn't sent off. But either we're going to have a higher threshold for red cards or we're going to have a lower one. But at the minute, we're caught between the two. So how as a fan, when we see that tackle that is awful, and then he goes to ground and clips rice, I've seen that be a yellow, I think, two, three hundred times in the last few seasons. Yeah. Yeah, it wasn't a yellow. So how how are we meant to get our heads around this? It's I don't know. And that's what I think is so tough. But, you know, glad we play the but, but I think that's the part we struggle with the most. I've watched so many ridiculous red cards in recent years against Arsenal players. Um I, I don't know, how are we meant to deal with that going forward? Like what do you think the threshold's gonna be going into the rest of the season? I just I have no faith in um the officials to get a handle on this. Um, I, I do think the the level of officiating is 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 very low. Like Michael Oliver, for example, is meant to be our, our, our top referee, like our, our cream of the crop. And he's not even maintaining those basic standards across week to week. And I get that there's a human element to it. And I get that there's, there's going to be some discrepancy, but there is... There is so little cohesion between one referee to another referee, or even one refereeing one refereeing performance by the same referee the following week could be totally different. And that that I agree with you entirely. That is that is what's frustrating to Waters. But I don't I don't know what the answer is. I I I I, I think 
Howard Webb is in a really, really awful job. Um, I, I mean, I, I've always thought the referee must be a terrible job to have anyway because everyone hates you. Um, but to be responsible for all the referees and for directing where the referees and VAR goes moving forward, I think that's that's a hell of a difficult job. And I and I, I, I don't envy it at all. I don't know. I don't know how you get into that and think what what a great opportunity this is. So. Um, Speaking of referees, though, did we enjoy Paul Merson losing losing it with uh, Mike Dean on <laughs> We absolutely did. We absolutely did. I mean, I do think that that um, sums up the type of person that referees are. And that's why they want to do that job, Tom, to be honest. And I, I, yeah. I don't like talking too badly about referees um, because... Um, I think it's wrong and I think they deserve a lot more respect for what they do. Yeah. But it's really hard. I mean, I'm not saying that in, in the ground. You, you know that. Really <laughs> <anyway>. <laughs> I, I think in a ground, I'm probably the most callous person towards referees going. Um, but after I calm down, I sort of do respect the job they do. And I've always had that feeling. I remember, again, you've played on a pitch with me, so this is also going to sound like a different person. <laughs> but I remember seeing this. <laughs> There's no game without the referee. And that always yeah. stuck with me. Again, not in the moment of a game after I've been wrongly pulled back for, you know, grabbing someone's neck or something. Um, so I think that's the that's the part I always try and come to. Like, I, I, I wasn't angry at Michael Oliver, to be honest. You know, this whole UAE thing, I wasn't frustrated. I was more frustrated that they're going to come out and explain it a hundred times. I, yeah. I also think, by the way, the media and the way we scrutinise refs and the fact we have referees on commentary panels and Mike Dean on Soccer Saturday, to go back to your original sort of comment, that is driving a narrative of making this harder. And actually, I think that's where we've got to take a great look at ourselves and the media needs to just pull back on this. Not every decision needs to be scrutinised. I, I actually don't like it. I don't enjoy it. I, I don't care for it personally. And I think the sort of people that are going back and, oh, well, this ref did this and this ref did that, you're actually losing a lot of the magic of football, to be honest. Yeah. And the same goes for the comment you made about over-celebrating. I have Spurs and Man U. I, I hate Spurs and Man U. My God, if you score two goals in injury time to turn a game around, go mad. Enjoy it. I'm, I've gone mad over this City result because if you, there's a bad result around the corner. I mean, when we beat Bournemouth 4-0, I was buzzing. I wasn't as buzzing as you were because I sat opposite you and I was in a home end and you were in the away end going, waka, waka, eh, eh, on loop that hour. <laughs> <laughs> Still waiting for Kai Havertz to score again. Um <laughs> but then we go and, you know, lose to Lons and it's like, oh God. So just enjoy these wins, embrace it. It's brilliant. Do a podcast, go for a, go to the pub after a win, take it all in. You know, there's so little um, chances in a season in life. <laughs> How deep should I go with this? Hey, enjoy to, to life. Really enjoy <laughs> the moment. <laughs> and beating Man City, who you haven't beaten since 2018. It's a great, great moment. So just take it in. Just take it in. It's amazing. We're, we're, we're going to be top of the league in no time. And, you know, as we look forward, Tom Dow, I'm going to ask you, how early are we going to win the league? <laughs> <laughs> 
Ah, oh, what a question. What a question. Just, was it February or, or was, is it April? You know, there's your banding. Oh, I, I, I think more likely, fe- no, April. <laughs> <laughs> more likely February. No, but in, in all seriousness, let's, let's look, look a little bit forward to the next couple of games because we actually enter a really tough, in my opinion anyway, um, yeah. run uh, for the rest of October into, you know, if Arsenal are Arsenal, then November is our bad month, right? But to yeah. come back in, Chelsea away, Seville away, Sheffield United at home. How are you feeling about that Chelsea game now with another 10 days or so to build up to it? Uh, very nervous, if I'm honest, because I think if, if we could go there and win like we did last season, I think then you're, you're in a position where you can go, you know what, this, this team is proper. Like, it's one thing beating Man City, but we need to follow that up with another result. And I really think, I, I think a lot of people would start, would start taking us really seriously if we go there and win. Um, particularly as this is a Chelsea team that seem to have seemed to have turned a corner, seemed to have uh, not solved all their problems, but started to piece things together a little bit more and look uh, a bit more cohesive as a unit, both defensively and and going forward, so like it's uh, it's going to be a ch- it's going to be a challenging game. Um, I'm not overly looking forward to it, if I'm honest. <laughs> no, no, but but the only thing is, is that their their big you know their big wins um, have been against Fulham, who are poor, yeah. and, and and we might regret those two points at some point this season. Uh, and and the you know two promoted clubs who who are not I would describe as particularly good. I look at us and I look at them and I think it's one of those where if we want to be serious, we've got to go there and put on another performance. Yeah. Um, I, I do I do question whether, you know, Saka will be fit. I don't know. Do you know who's been called up to Brazil's squad? I assume no, Martin. Do you know? Oh, I don't off the top of my head, no. No. I've been trying to find out, by the way. It's actually quite hard. But I don't know who's on international duty for us. I know El Nenny is. Um, and I think Jorginho is, but I, I, and the Rice and um, Ramsdale and Eddie, but I'm not sure who else is. Yeah, I'm not sure off the top of my head. Um, as you know, I have uh, v- very um, different views about uh, international football, so uh, I uh, I kind of neglect it entirely. <laughs> it, it was it was more for the the coming back fitness of the yes. team. I mean. Yeah, I think I think we should be able to go into it having had a good good solid week of training and be ready to go quite refreshed because I have to say we, you know I've been so impressed with our start at this point and I feel like you can be frustrated at the Fulham and the Spurs result but I actually think both of those helped us build up to beating City. I think if you look at how we started the season nearly every game has been building up to us and if you look at the signings we made in the summer it's been preparing us to win that game 1-0. It's yeah. been preparing us to compete. We do control games. Again, I go back to the reason the crowd get up is because they haven't seen it. They haven't seen us keep the ball with our goalkeeper. What I'd encourage anyone to do in the second half, 60 minutes, Edison keeps the ball at his feet for about a minute. <laughs> he just kept the ball. And Edison does exactly what Raya does. But when it's not your team, you can't cope. You're like, oh, well, 
He's just controlling it, seeing the option. Flip it round, it's David Raya. I was going, what's she doing? Too many touches. Kick it long, David. I don't think anyone says the, uh, the that exact um that exact moment you're talking about as well. Like to flip it around even even further is that obviously he did that, and from a rival's perspective, there's no, there's no reaction. From an Arsenal perspective, all I got around me was. Eddie, close him down. What are you doing? Close him down, Eddie. Uh, Martin, you've got to be closer. Like, it's just, it, it, it's ridiculous. Like, that, I, I just don't understand what supporters see um, when I see something totally different. Um, it's frustrating. No, it is. And actually, I think one of the things to be applauded is the way we didn't press them because they'll come yeah. through you. And actually, I think I think if you take three home games this season, Man United, we let them play and pre- half-pressed, I'd say. Tottenham, we full-pressed. And actually, it killed us. We ran out of energy. Um, and I think we learned from that. I think we looked at Spurs and went, we don't fancy them playing out from the back at all. And we were right. And actually, if Jesus takes that chance, we'd probably kill him possibly three or four. But look, if it wasn't Tottenham... It wouldn't be so painful, but it is what it is. But Man City, I honestly think we looked at it and went, no, do you know what? They'll pop it round us. They will. So be compact, be tight, control how you go forward, control how you press, and you've got a chance of winning this game. And that is why, you know, one of the things I wanted to, to say to you, one of the podcasts I remember us doing, I was actually in... um Spain when we did it and we just lost to Man City this is a beautiful arc by the way we lost to City 5-0 Xhaka was sent <laughs> off pretty yeah, sure I remember, I remember it well yeah we lost three in a row start of the season yeah, yeah. We had Norwich at home and we did a podcast saying if he can't beat Norwich do we get rid how happy are you we beat Norwich that day very, very happy. That's that's a wonderful arc. That is, um, I yeah. I mean, my mum who listens to this podcast um, actually spoke to me a, a couple of days ago about Mikel Arteta, and she said, "So what? What? What are your opinions on him now?" And I said, "I love him. I absolutely love him. Like, he's amazing. He can't do any wrong in my eyes." Um, and she then actually recalled that podcast and we spoke about what our opinions were back then and why things changed so dramatically and there's obviously like that that's probably a podcast in itself about the the shift from uh how how supporters felt at that time to how they feel now but it's it's testament to Arteta, and I also I think it it shows that as supporters we don't understand the intricacies of what's going on behind the scenes. Like we we're not privy to all the information that could tell us exactly why um, a club persists with a manager or why a club accepts finishing eighth or or, or something like that um, when they they can see what's going on and. I, I think we all we all knew it was a big job taken over Arsenal. I don't think any of us knew quite how big it was because I think that's what we need to really remember, that we've gone full circle with this squad. We've overhauled the squad entirely. 
Um, lots of things have changed behind the scenes. And Mikel Arteta has been pivotal to all of that. And he's instilled this culture. And obviously, we think about how toxic it was going to Arsenal games. Like that Man City game, for example, that you spoke about when we lost 5-0, that dropped down to zero away credits. Mm. Like, it dropped down to zero away credits. Like, that's un unthinkable that a game of, of that magnitude could go down to that now. And that was only a couple of years ago. Mm. And I think that shows how disappointing... Uh, Arsenal were at the time, but how fabulous we are now! How exciting it is that every game we go to is 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 sold out. Every game we go to is full of this, this bubbling atmosphere that didn't exist before. Because I think prior to the Man City game, we lost to Chelsea at home, and there was that um, in the clock end upper. There was a huge area of just empty seats, mm. and again, that's not that it's not that long ago that that it was that easy for people to get tickets and now it's the hottest ticket in town. So yeah, it's, 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 it's incredible what Arteta's done and what Eddie has obviously been a factor within that as well. And obviously the people behind the scenes, but uh, going back to your reasonable point, I love him. He's so, he's, he's so good, isn't he? He's lovely hair. <laughs> and I think more importantly, Mr. Dow is Tierney no longer plays for us. Yes. So who should be at the back in the Mikel Arteta song? I mean, the problem we've got with this is that the logical one would be Tommy at the back. But he doesn't play every game. <laughs> well, Tommy's very much at the front now, I think you'll find. <laughs> <laughs> he is now a pivotal part of our strike force. <laughs> What's he doing there? Tommy at the back, Tommy in attack. <laughs> <laughs> I'm still going to win everything. <laughs> I don't know, but what made me laugh about when he when he went up and obviously won that header to to uh, give the ball to Havertz. Um, about two minutes after that, when we were thinking, right now, just hold on, Arsenal, hold on, Arsenal, he's up there again. He's like, Tommy, what are you doing? Get back. <laughs> to, to be fair, talking about, have you seen the clip of how we keep the ball at from eighty nine to ninety one? Uh, yes, I mean. What honestly, that's the thing that you, you that, that I think people don't realize. And by the way, Raya is central to all of that, yes, he is. But I just can't quite get over when I look at things like that how good we are. We are so good, and that is that is it's almost scary, right? And if Tottenham hadn't played Sheffield United, Burnley, Bournemouth, and Luton, we'd be top, we'd be top and going. We are bloody, it's all on here. And this is the thing, right? I very rarely get too hyped about a table after 10 games because you need to see your team. You need to see what everyone's looking like. And honestly, I don't know how to say this, but we're the best team in the league, okay? We genuinely are. That might change when Rodri and De Bruyne come back. But like last season, I felt this at this point, but we are the best team in the league. And we should win most games we play. And for us to feel like that, to be able to say that and to know it and everyone else know it, is just magnificent. We probably won't win the league this year. We probably will fall short. There may well be injuries that come and hurt us. If Saka's out for any prolonged amount of time, much as I want to love Eddie and Ketia, um, I mean, honestly, I, I really like Eddie. But 
I think Eddie could play against Man City 38 times this season. I don't think he'd score. <laughs> do you know what I mean? He's just not at that level. Yeah, I do. I do know what you mean. Um, but speaking of Eddie, just because uh, just obviously we spoke about this at, um, uh, at 12 pins on, uh, on Sunday. And we spoke about the fact that Eddie does an awful lot of work for the team that goes unrewarded. And I think as much as obviously we, everyone wants a striker that's going to score goals, everyone wants a striker that's going to hit certain numbers throughout the season. And Eddie might not do that, but he he is someone who puts himself about that. Like he was exhausted when he came off yesterday, uh, on Sunday, like absolutely shattered. And I think... As much as obviously, like we look at the one chance he did have, like he 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 took the wrong shot on, um, he went for power when he should have been trying to bend it into the far corner. But I I, I just think he I I really like him. Um, I I do think he like he's not the sort of player that's going to lead you to a title if he's your main striker. But I do think there is a role with him for him within the squad. Um, but like you say, like you you wouldn't want for those big games to always be relying on Eddie and Ketia. Mm. Yeah, I, I agree. I agree. But but more what I suppose I'm saying is, so far this season, we have seen Gabriel Jesus play um, as our number nine um, once in the Champions League. Is that right? Oh, against... Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Well, twice, Maybe, actually. He, he yeah. started there against Lons, didn't he? Yeah. So we haven't seen our best front three together yet. And we haven't seen our best number nine play number nine in the league. Yeah, it's a good point. So this is what I'm saying is that everyone, you know, and what I'm excited about is we're using our squad. And and I think the more I'm looking at it, Mr. Wacka Wacka, hey, hey, um, he's going to be our Swiss army knife this season, I reckon. And I think that's why we bought him. I don't think he's there to play left eight. I think he's there to do what the game needs. And I think he's got a long way to go to be a decent left eight. A long, long way. I think it's by far his weakest position. And it might be a failed experiment, but he can play there. He can be effective enough. And But I just think he's our, our second best number nine. Um, but to have that option in a player, absolutely massive. Absolutely massive. Yeah, agreed all round. Agreed all round. Um, anything else question. you'd like? Go on. I've got oh, one question for you. I love a question. Um, I've kind of asked this before, but I kind of want to put it in a different context. And we sort of frame this. Since we moved to the Emirates, and I, we sort of said, oh, which player do you wish or would fit in this team? And imagine if we had Van Persie, et cetera, et cetera. But are there any players you really, not for how they play, but almost for what being part of this team would have meant? Any Emirates era player you wish was in the squad? So like not necessarily for their quality, but just that you loved and loved having around or their versatility would fit. Because someone like Sesk, I don't actually know that he'd be that good. <laughs> he'd obviously be amazing. Prime Sesk would be amazing. Van Persie would obviously be amazing but I don't know that they'd play in the way Arteta wants them to play it's very hard to picture that but sort of one like not even cult hero but someone you loved having there and it can be more than one by the way that you just wish were part of this squad the one that jumps out to me is Santi Cazorla oh 
I, I really, I really, really, I, I loved everything about Santi Cazorla. Um, and obviously, when we signed him, he, he played quite a lot um, in those attacking areas and then sort of got deeper and deeper as um, as his career progressed at Arsenal. But I just feel like he, in terms of moving the ball quickly, I think he would just fit into what we sort of want to do. Um, and I think he's so he was so intelligent as well that I think in terms of those problems that Arteta presents to players, I think he really fit in with that. So I think he's the one that I I instinctively went to. Um, have, who have you got in mind? <laughs> um, I, I genuinely think um... Igor Stefanos. He didn't play the Emirates. <laughs> Good point. Um, I've got two actually. Actually, I've got three that I think genuinely would be bang on, and and they're all defenders. Did you want to have a guess at the three defenders that I? One of them you'll get in a heartbeat because it's me. But perfect. Who did you say? Is it Nacho Monreal? I genuinely think Nacho Monreal would be unbelievable in this squad. He's one of them. Yeah. Uh, Koscielny? Yeah, he's the other one. <laughs> um, and who's the third one? Sanya. I, I, I honestly oh, think... Oh, yeah, that's a good shout. That's a really good shout. The profile of those three players would genuinely be perfect in this in this team. And like the way they played the game and read the game, I think it'd be I... massive. I actually think out of those three, I think Sanya is probably the one that I I would say the most out of those three, I think, would would fit in. Um, and that's purely because I think he um, he has that ability to step into centre-half if he needs to, um, which obviously we saw that, like, he played a few games there um, t- towards the end of his Arsenal career. Um and obviously, he has that prowess going forwards. That I think I think he'd form a really good partnership with um, Bukayo Saka. So I, I, yeah, I think that's a great shout. Yeah, I mean, I do think we're one defender light. So maybe Bakary could come out of retirement. You never know. Yes, maybe just just until Timber's back. Um, <laughs> we just we just have Bakary back. Bakary back. All right, international that- break coming. If that's not a point to end the podcast, then I don't know what is. <laughs> All right, Andre, thank you very much for your time. As always, it's uh, is hopefully this recording goes out and is actually like usable. <laughs> <laughs> I have faith. I have faith. Thank you, mate. Pleasure as okay, always. Then. Okay, so thank you very much for listening to our five listeners, and we'll look forward <laughs> to hearing from you and seeing you in the not too distant future. And hopefully, after the international break, we come back to form against Chelsea with a fabulous win and we'll see you on the other side. Thank you and goodbye.